Susan Collins calling for adjustments. We need to discuss whether we should look at um, violent domestic extremism on both sides. Okay. Senate Democrats need to convince at least 10 Republicans to sign on to avert a filibuster. Two former Colorado police officers are facing criminal charges after a 73-year-old woman with dementia was knocked to the ground and handcuffed when she left a store without paying. Karen Garner's daughter, Alyssa Swartz. I feel like they think that they're a above the law and they're the ones that are supposed to be protecting all of us. One officer is charged with using excessive force, the other with failing to report the incident or stop it. There's a call for more police training. CBS's Jim Crisula. There needs to be national standards for training police officers with more of an emphasis on teaching officers how to de-escalate situations rather than just how to use force. That's the recommendation from the Council on Criminal Justice Task Force on Policing. It was formed by law enforcement and civil rights leaders last year. Tim Tebow is coming back again. 95 yards in 12 plays. The 33-year-old's just signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. He's coming off five years of baseball with the New York Mets. And he's not the only one with a new job. Unemployment claims dropped to a new pandemic low of 444,000 last week. S&P futures are up two. Dow futures off 37. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. If you drive a car, truck, SUV, or vehicle of any kind, you need GetUpside, the free gas app that pays you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. That's right. With the free GetUpside gas app, you can get up to 25 cents a gallon cash back every time you buy gas. Nearly 3 million people have earned cash back with GetUpside just for buying gas. I always use GetUpside. Some months, I make 200 to $300. I love getting money back for things I use every day. It's just free money for buying gas. There's no catch. It's simple. And you get your cash back right away. Download the free GetUpside app now in the App Store or Google Play to save up to 25 cents per gallon when you buy gas. Use promo code RIDE for a 25 cent per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's up to 50 cents per gallon on your next fill up. You can cash out anytime to PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Earn cash back on gas on every fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code RIDE for a 25 cent per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code RIDE. Amazon is extending its ban on police use of face recognition technology. It's been a year since Amazon announced a one-year pause on selling its facial recognition software to law enforcement and government agencies. Amazon workers and civil rights activists protested the sales, saying the technology could incorrectly identify people with darker skin. The move was made shortly after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. While some U.S. cities from Portland, Maine to San Francisco have since banned the use of facial recognition tech by law enforcement, federal legislation hasn't been passed. The ACLU has called on the Biden administration to make it happen. Monica Ricks, CBS News. New findings show eating a lot of red meat, drinking booze, and lower education levels are all associated with an increased rate of colorectal cancer in people under 50. Researchers found people born since the 1960s in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Japan tend to eat less fruit, non-potato veggies, and calcium. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. 
Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash work. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash work. It's been said that all that stands between the graduate and the top of the ladder is, well, the ladder. So Vikings start climbing. Obstacles are those frightful things that you see when you take your eyes off your goal. This message is brought to you by Matthews Insurance. Congratulations to the members of the Vinton County High School Class of 2021 from your friends at Matthews Insurance. Stay on top of the news every hour at the top of the hour with CBS News Radio on Classic Hits 97 and 97.1 FM, WATH. Hey, it's Boots. We'll get the latest on NASCAR and even check out the Xfinity Series. Plus, we'll talk holiday travel with AAA. That's AutoSmarts Friday afternoon at 106 on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Are you ready for an upgrade for your home? Then check out Superior Renovations in Albany for all your home improvement needs. Superior Renovations is a family-owned business of over 20 years, specializing in bathroom and kitchen remodelings. Superior Renovations is committed to superior quality and results. For your free estimate, call 740-517-8795. Great references and great prices available for your next project. Superior Renovations, 27480 Old State Route 346 in Albany. With round-the-clock protection at a great price, your progressive policy works the way it's supposed to, unlike this unenthusiastic hype man. Okay, everybody, let's make some noise. Put your hands up. We're not. It's your call. Here we go now. Here we go. Switch to Progressive today. It is electric in here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Say hello to Happy Healthy Hair at Ulta Beauty's Gorgeous Hair Event, happening right now. Get hair care happy with 50% off hair care essentials from brands like Hot Tools and Living Proof. And get wow-worthy hair with unbeatable deals on shampoo and conditioner pairs from brands like Redken. Longer sunny days just mean more time to show off your new style. Hurry, this event ends May 29th. Discover your best hair yet. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H Well, it's not quite as sunny as yesterday, but it will be. Nevertheless, 68 degrees right now, headed to 83. I love it. Hey, it's our monthly update with the mayor of the city of Athens, Steve Patterson. Lots of things going on. We'll get caught up on them. 
on a Thursday edition of The Party Line. You know, Steve, over the years, uh, you know, a party line, I there's probably a number of people who don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Um, you know, it could be a party. It could be um, a, 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 a political statement like the party, party line. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what this was all about. And it goes back to 1973 with Woody Simpson when he was the first host of the show. And originally it was called, um, it was a gardening show. And uh, he would talk about uh, his planning of a garden and and maintenance and everything. And then it kind of evolved. And there have been four or five really terrific uh, hosts of it over the years. But... uh, a party line was a telephone. Uh-huh. And um, people didn't have specific lines assigned to them, so they would share. And people could also, uh, frankly, listen into each other's <laughs> conversation. Yeah, that's, that's so and, true. And that's kind of what we do here. Well, and I grew up with a party line as a... Really? As a, yeah, as, as a little boy. I remember it well. And you're absolutely correct. I remember picking up the phone to wanting, you know, wanting to call someone else, and I'm now listening to a conversation, and I'd sit there and, and listen, and then finally something would happen where the other person that was having a conversation, who we shared the line with, realized that you know this young kid is on the line. You know, whoever's on the phone, please get off the phone. It yeah, was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was uh, pretty funny. But uh, okay, so I never had the, the experience personally. As long as I can remember, we were Tuxedo 57346 in Worthington. And then they added the uh, area code later on, right? Right. So Tuxedo was 8857346. Eight, anyway, um, did you, um, like, how does it work? You were one ring, two rings, three rings? You know, that designated which house it was meant for? See that I don't remember. Okay, I don't recall that at all. All I remember is, you know, if you picked up and you heard a voice, you hung up right away. Yeah, you know, sure. or you said I'm sorry, and yep. you hung up. Um, or people would jump on when you were on a conversation with somebody, and then it was probably in the '70s, late '60s or early '70s. Then that in my household that went away as a kid growing up, and we had our dedicated phone line, hmm. but. Uh, well, anyway, enough on this. Uh, let's get to our topics, which uh, there are many, actually. There is. Um, I guess the thing that's been bugging us for a year and a half almost is COVID. Now, recently, um, the governor has uh, indicated some relaxation of things, uh, even put a date to it of June 2nd, I think, Um I know our individual health department, uh, they can uh, say we go along with that or here are some exceptions to that in that apply to our area. You're the mayor. Update us on COVID from your point of view. Sure. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, but last summer, <clears throat> I believe it was July 2nd, 
uh, we found out that I learned that the mayor of Dayton, Ohio, was implementing a face covering ordinance for the city of Dayton, followed by the mayor of Columbus put out a mandate uh, also having a face covering ordinance. And so we worked quickly in Athens to create one as well uh, to have that in place. And then a couple, and once that was in place, I think it was July 13th or 14th, that became uh, a city ordinance. And then two weeks later, the governor declared that for the entire state of Ohio. Uh, You're correct in that, you know, last Thursday it was announced that there would be rolled, there were going to be rolled back health orders uh, for the state that would go into effect on the 2nd of June, uh, which would pretty much be removing, you know, the uh, capacity limitations for businesses, uh, rolling that back, um, the uh, face covering uh, statewide order that would be rolling back as well. Uh, the CDC came out with guidance last week, I believe it was the tail end of last week, and it was basically stating that if an individual is fully vaccinated, then uh, under the CDC's look at things as Center for Disease Control, is that you should not, you know, you don't need to wear a mask when outdoors or in gatherings or indoors. Uh, indoors meaning a, a business or company that's open to the public. So, um, you know, I am requesting uh, of council, hopefully it'll be taken up Monday night. Uh, I understand that it would be on the agenda talking about amending the city's face covering ordinance uh, to mirror the language of the CDC, but that has yet to be taken up by council. Um, the committee. In committee, correct correct and then as you know once it goes through committee then it goes to regular sessions um i believe we're going to have a going to have a special session um monday evening as well but monday's committee so we'll see how this goes i um of course had a a number of years on city council and um I'm ashamed to say how little I know about council anymore. I do know that we've had um, we had a person who was unopposed for a number of terms um, now uh, replaced um, in a primary, and uh, so Alan Swank will be the new fourth ward person, right? Right. I mean that was a contested. Uh, uh, race for the primary mm-hmm. yeah now yeah. is there a, uh, and there's nobody on the other side running for general election right for the fourth ward no yeah. um, so that one's kind of decided I think all the wards uh, will be uncontested there won't be a general um, there will need to be uh, for the first ward though uh, uh, that that well, I mean, they're all going to be on the ballot. Yeah. You know, so, but but uh, the one I was going to go to next was Beth Claudefelder. Yes. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, at large, right? Beth is uh, was at large, and uh, she has um, been asked to join whose staff? She will be working with Senator Sherrod Brown. Yeah. Now, uh, with that, 
um, at large. Um, so there will at least be one thing to figure that out um, come um, November, right? Yeah, there there will. That uh, there are several people who. Uh, couple people who have indicated they're going to run um, running as independents and then there will be what will have to happen with Beth um, resigning to take the position with Senator Brown is that uh, the Ohio or the Athens Democratic Party Central Committee will have to uh, select and vote on having someone as to fill Beth, to fill the, the unexpired term correct uh, and as I understand it then Whoever that individual is, they would be on the ballot in November as well. Uh, ben Ziff is a new city council member at large. Uh, he was installed uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so he is filling, fulfilling Peter Kotsis's unexpired term. Uh, Peter Kotsis resigned in February, I want to say. Um yeah, so there's been a lot of movement on council, and and Dave, as you which is a bit unusual. It is unusual, and as you'd indicated, you know that you were on city council for several terms, uh, but a lot has changed. Uh, I think all the city council members now drive vehicles instead of riding horses, Dave. So that's <laughs> certainly changed, and um, oh dear, they don't have party lines; they have cell phones. And okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, a lot has changed, Dave. And, and several terms at large and several terms as president. So what about the president? Who is president these days? Chris Nisley. Oh, yes, I knew that. Yep. All right. Chris Nisley. Well, and Sarah Grace, as I mentioned, she will uh, be running for another term at large. So uh, yeah, so hopefully no change there. And we'll see how it goes. Who's uh, council clerk these days? Debbie Walker. Hey, I hired her. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, we had Harriet Travis before. And uh, anyway, I uh, I hired uh, Debbie. Debbie, um, shortly after I became president. Wow. Well, Debbie Walker, uh, I believe this to be accurate, is the. Uh, has the most tenure of any city employee. Um, she I'm not surprised. Has been there for... Because she was a city employee even before being being named uh, clerk of council. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. I did not know that. Debbie's great. You know, every anytime I am trying to find something, you know, even older ordinances. When I'm saying older, I'm saying ordinances back in the in the 80s or 90s, you know, she's able to find them uh, rather quickly. Um, she's just, she has been an amazing uh, clerk of council. Well, let's see here. Back to COVID, I guess. Um, so you have to figure out what the, our city's going to do. And there are some things that you're allowed to differ on, and there's some that you aren't, right? Right. And um, are, do you have any misgivings at this point? Misgivings? I I, I still have a, a level of concern. Uh, I think most of us should. The COVID-19 virus is still out there. Um, our percentage in the county of those being vaccinated is 
you know, uh, in the high 30s, I believe. I can't remember what the actual percentage is for for uh, uh, the Athens County residents as to where we are, but I know that our 80 plus cohort uh, citizens is pretty high in terms of those who've been vaccinated. I think the 70 plus also is up there, 60 plus is up there. Um, We're a city where our largest population is the 18 to 22 demo. And um, I don't know what those statistics look like uh, it's been great, uh, and I think most would agree. It's been great when I'm tracking, as you do, Dave, religiously, mm-hmm. looking at our numbers uh, for the county. And we've had several days uh, over the past week or so where we had zero new cases. Right. I, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, that we're somewhere in the mid-40s for our total positive cases right now. Like 46. We have not seen that in a year uh or well probably not that long but uh quite some time so you know it it does look encouraging that our numbers are going down but i was just on the phone the other day talking to a colleague of mine who's the mayor of guelph canada which is right outside toronto canada and i was just kind of saying how are things what's the name of it guelph spell oh i don't know how to spell it okay it's like gulf but it's Guelph. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> and right. Uh, and uh, how large is his um, community? It's I believe it's somewhere around thirty or forty thousand. So again, mm-hmm. not not real large. Okay. Um, and they are experiencing their third wave of COVID nineteen um, in their community. Toronto is as well. So that kind of whole metroplex area is seeing. Uh, a third surge in cases. Uh, they are under a stay-at-home order. And uh, in talking with them, it's it's all the variants that they're being hit with. So I, I, I bring that up in that, you know, that's certainly a concern for me as things are being rolled back and people are going to be together. People, it's going to be for a while, I think, on the honor system um, following the Center for Disease Control Guidelines. You know, I got an idea the other day, and I really am half inclined to go to Precision Imprint or Zones or something. And, of course, each one of these will be customized, so there's a little extra cost to it. But printing T-shirts with your, um, what do you call it, the the card. Your vaccination card? Yeah, printed on the front and back. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. I think that'd be cool. Or, you know, the thing we all found ourselves doing is you're on mute. You're on mute. And maybe the shirt just says, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, I don't know that I want my shot record on my shirt. Why do I care? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, well, maybe. I think, you you know, know, to be completely out there. Is our social on there? I guess it is. I don't know. Oh, well. Your address, your phone number. Social yeah. security. Your, I don't mind the other stuff. <laughs> your uh, people's bank account number. Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I I really am toying with that idea. Well, you should do it. Uh, you know, the other thing is I'm still going to be, I'll still wear a mask. You know, I when, if I'm walking up and down Court Street, you know, I have a mask on uh, and I was thinking about that too i'm i am fully vaccinated um 
I'm still wearing a mask out of respect for everyone around me. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, why don't I get a mask that says I'm fully vaccinated so people, you know, don't think that I'm wearing a mask because I'm not vaccinated. I don't know. There's all kinds of interesting things rumbling around out there, Dave. But my point, again, being, you know, we still all need to be really careful. Um, Of course. Yeah. Well, I just looked at my thing, and there's nothing here I would mind people knowing. I mean, it's got my birth date, but there's no social security or um, that sort of thing on there. Okay. Well, maybe I'll wander down to one of our screen printers today sure. and talk to him. <laughs> um, I just think it'd be a hoot. I don't disagree. And again, right. I, I'm sincere about the face covering too. Yeah. Just have it written across there. I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah. And or maybe print printed on the face covering. You know, right? Okay. Right. <clears throat> hey, we were just notified the city. Um, we received an award. Um, we often see receive a number of different things randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, this one came from the Environmental Protection Agency. The, our beloved EPA, and they have recognized the city of Athens as um, being um, a green power partner. And what that basically sa- states is, or what it means, is that you know we are using more alternative energies in the residential, commercial, and government sectors in the city uh, to the tune of about 39 million kilowatts. Uh, kilowatt hours of green power annually that are being used. A lot of that is, you know, we have an electric aggregation here in the city, uh, the county. Uh, it's called SOPEC, which is used to be the Southeast Public Energy Council and now Southeast Ohio Public Energy Council. Now it has changed its name because it's growing <laughs> beyond the boundaries of what is Southeastern Ohio. Um, to now it's Sustainable Ohio Public Energy Council. Anyway, uh, my reason for bringing that up is that SOPEC has a product that is 100% renewable energy based, um, which is comes from uh, wind generation out of Texas, believe it or not. Uh, and that feeds into part of this number. The other thing is that in talking with County Commissioner Chris Schmiel, um, Athens County has more residential solar uh, per capita than any other county in the state of Ohio, which is kind of an interesting factoid for people out there. But uh, we have several um, solar active, you know, one large one, one smaller, but very um, quality solar manufacturer, installers, that sort of thing, companies here. You know what I mean? Oh, we, we do. Yes, we do. Yes. And um, uh, I hope they continue to grow. As do I. As and do I. Because, um, well, what a neat thing, a neat uh, recognition, so to speak. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, something else that we have coming up, June 1st, there's going to be a ribbon-cutting ceremony uh, down at... Uh, in front of the service garage down on West State Street. Um, And that ribbon cutting will be for the operation of a 
microgrid. Uh, and what that is, uh, I think we've talked about this in the past, down at the water treatment plant, which is right next to the service garage, we have a 178 kilowatt solar array down mm. there that feeds into the water treatment plant. And uh, two years ago, I found out that AEP Electric was, or AEP Power, was uh, wanting to do some pilot testing of these microgrids, these backup batteries, basically, these large conic box size, sized uh, battery systems. And uh, when I found out about the program, they were working things through with the Columbus Zoo to put a microgrid up there tapping into their solar array. So I engaged with AEP and said, hey, you know, I we have a solar array down at the water treatment plant. I'd be really interested in being a part of this pilot if it's possible. And so negotiations started and uh, one thing led to another. And uh, if you drive down West State Street and you look over at the service garage, you'll see on this elevated platform, this, it almost looks like a, a bank of Porta Johns sitting on this thing. Uh, they are anything but that. They are um, batteries that are feeding off of the solar array, like I said. And then the, in the evening, the the uh, uh, batteries will then trickle back into the waste or the water treatment plant, which is pretty interesting because it, um, in my mind, creates a level of resilience for one of our major assets uh, here in the city of Athens, and that is the water treatment plant that produces our clean, healthy drinking water. You know, if you remember back in, what was it, Dave, 2012 when we had the derecho? Yes. Um, you know, we came pretty close to losing the power feeding the water treatment plant, which is not a good thing to have happen. And so the solar array and this backup battery and now what is technically called a microgrid feeding into the water treatment plant, it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty interesting and it'll be cool to have this thing finally uh, fully operational. I believe it's fully operational right now, but the ribbon cutting will be to celebrate the fact that we are one of two sites in the state of Ohio uh, that have these microgrids, have a, has a microgrid. Uh, the first, as I said, was the Columbus Zoo, and the second is the wonderful city of Athens, Ohio. There you go. Well, it is something to be proud of. Let's um, let's uh, move on a little bit. Um, I daily have to go to the post office, and you can guess where I'm going here. Uh, Stimson Avenue. Um, it is... Um, I, I don't know what I had envisioned it was going to be. But whatever it is, it seems like it's turned into far more than what they were expecting. Now, is that correct or not? Well, <laughs> I, I think to the commuter, it, yes, it's become quite the project and honestly challenging. Um, I drive Stimson Avenue Monday through Friday uh, on my way into work. That's how I come in off of Rock Ripple and and drive in. And uh, it is a big project. It's a big project going on in one of our narrowest right-of-ways uh, in the city of Athens. Um, Stimson Avenue was built uh, as, it, as it existed uh, pre-January. 
Uh, it was built in 1969, 1970, uh, after the, well, in, in alignment with the rerouting of the river. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it was a concrete surface roadway. Um, it lived its useful life. Um, it was becoming, you know, quite expensive to maintain. Obviously, anytime there's a service disruption with underground utilities, they've got to tear up the concrete, get in, make the repair, and then patch it up again. So uh, we were able to get uh, several different grants from the Department of Transportation, from ODOT. Uh, and uh, and <laughs> now we're under construction. At this point, the north side of Stimson Avenue, uh, what was the original westbound lane, is what is being rebuilt. Uh, a lot of underground work that's going on with underground utilities, storm water sewer as well as columbia gas has been in there Mm -hmm. uh, since january putting in new service lines Um, and then that is supposed to schedule wise is supposed to be completed the north side lane will be complete july and then they'll transition to the south side lane or what is typically the eastbound lane Uh, and then that'll be under construction, and hopefully by the end of October, the whole project will be buttoned up and done. There will be some landscaping that'll have to wait until the summer or the spring of 2022, and that's just the normal, that's the way the contract reads. But uh, drivability should be completely restored in both directions by October. Now, um, I'm, I'm just curious. So once Stimson is done, has the city already identified the next place? We have. And it is? It is. <laughs> drum roll, please. It is going to be West Union from Schaefer out to the bridge on on uh, uh, technically 682, but West Union uh, by the Elks. Um, and that'll be a 2022 project um, still under design as to how what we're going to do. Uh, 2022 just means next year. Next year. Okay. Right. And then there's a 2023, 2024 project um, that is also that we received funding for. Dare we mention the name? Sure. Um, You remember uh, how we all know how West Union between Congress and Court Street turned out. Uh, It was the fire affected area uh, to where we were able to kind of rethink the streetscape along there, and I think it turned out rather nicely to where we... Oh, put, oh, oh, I know what we're talking about. Yeah. The first block of... That, that one block of yeah. West Union, yeah, okay. from court to Congress. Again, it turned out really nice, and so what we're going to be doing is, in 2023, doing a similar t- streetscape on Washington between College and Congress and on State Street between college and uh, Congress as well. So it'll be nice. It'll get new street lights. It'll get uh, likely some brick and lay. We'll do some some curb bump out work along there. Um, some benches. It uh, It's going to look nice. Cause dining, right now, seating, all that stuff. It'll, yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, even art displays. Yeah, I like it. Good. And, um, you know, at first I had some hum haws but now that i've seen it in place you were right okay so um 
by Hummels, I just said, I, I don't know. But uh, I don't want to lose parking. Uh, but no, it didn't. It, it, no, <laughs> no parking it, was it's, lost. It's just enhanced an area tremendously. Right. All right. Well, um, let's see here. Yeah, there's a topic that has come up a great deal over the last couple of years. And so uh, our police chief. Um, Tom Pyle. Tom. Um, we have policemen. We have, like any community, um, sometimes conflicts um you hear that law enforcement nationally are being questioned about their reactions their procedures uh, what is what they're permitted to do what they're not permitted to do how they're to react and so on speak to what you're aware of in terms of our area law enforcement? Sure. Um, you know, w we've been on a journey for a while now when it comes to racial equity, because that's basically what you're speaking to, I believe, Dave. Um, and the training that our police department receives, um, some initiatives that are going on. We have what's called the Joint Police Advisory Council, which has been in place uh, since 2012. Uh, I was the charter uh, chair for JPAC uh, back in 2012 as a newly minted city council member. And uh, JPAC still meets. And last year, shortly after the murder of George Floyd, uh, JPAC had a meeting and started, uh, Chief Pyle uh, asked one of the JPAC members, who happens to be faculty at Ohio University, um, uh, Jackie Wolf, uh, Dr. Jackie Wolf, and asked, you know, can there be a course that is developed that is specific to local law enforcement agencies or law enforcement agencies, period, that kind of is instructional and, and you know, talks about systemic racism in policing, systemic racism in healthcare, systemic racism in the court system. And uh, so Dr. Wolf, uh, with four other colleagues, put together a five-part course designed for uh, police officers. The course was slated to be offered last summer, uh, but COVID-19 kind of made it uh, challenging. And Chief Pyle felt that the impact of the course would not be as uh, powerful um, in a virtual environment, so it was delayed. That is actually going to start, the course is going to start in June, um, where our police department will all go through this together. There's another initiative going on, which I think is equally uh, important for policing. Um, Officer Dave Malawista has been involved in the kind of development of what's going to be a virtual reality training uh, that our law enforcement agency, the police department, will go through. Uh, I believe that the uh, Ohio University Police Department will also be involved. And what it is is it's a filming um, of 
different situations, um, a vehicle being pulled over or a protest in front of the county courthouse. And it puts the police officers in the position of what, you know, microaggressions look like, uh, what implicit bias would, would uh, how it would feel, uh, you know. Um, so it, it, it's hard to describe but the Voinovich School has been working on this um, via the Grid Lab as, is involved as well. So uh, that'll be coming sometime soon as well for another training that our officers will go through. Uh, so there's a lot going on in that world. You know, uh, I, uh, forgive my comment, but it, it's just I watch these. We all do these body cam footages. And there's so many times when I think the person that is being asked to behave goes nuts. Why can't we just let things be cool and it would never get to that level? And do I think there could be some bias on the part of some law enforcement officers? I do. But I think it's few and far between, and their departments ought to be looking for it to, to clobber it. Right. But um, I remember my reactions on a couple of times being stopped. What the hell did you stop me for? You know, right. and I'm I have a place to go, and I'm late to pick up my kids, or whatever it might be, and I get irritated. Now, Palmer, that's wrong. Just settle down. Right. Um. Anyway, I just I wish people could just be a little more. Tolerant of things getting sorted out. And then we can move along. Because uh, when, when one person reacts, then the next person reacts in opposite. Not opposite, but you know what I mean. it Things escalate. Right. right. Correct. Yeah, our police department, uh, uh, they all have body cams. Um, they've been using them. And, and quite honestly, they have been very helpful because often they have to go back and do go back and review the tapes when there's an incident that occurs and and uh you know the the acting uh police chief um captain harvey is kind of in that role for daily operations while chief Pyle is still the chief of police but is the acting service safety director for the city uh and and on occasion um you know, Chief Pyle will also, uh, in in his role now um, as acting service safety director, will still review uh, footage from the body cam. So they've been very, I think they've been a great tool for our police officers um, when incidents do occur and they need to go back and review them. And, you know, especially now with the, under COVID-19 has created some really challenging situations and I have to give a lot of praise to our police department uh, when people are in mental crisis uh, and the police have to lend assistance uh, and so often is the case to where 
uh, with the training that they have had, the compassion training that they have gone through, that they uh, are doing a, a fantastic job of helping people get the mental help that they need. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, again, COVID-19 has ripped that bandage right off of a lot of households to where uh, it's become extremely uh, mentally taxing. You know, uh, you mentioned something about uh, Chief Pyle filling in. Yeah. Um, I mean, attempted to reach Andy Stone yesterday. Um, Colonel Andy Stone. Correct. Um, because he has been on special assignment in his military um, role and uh, is is now winding that down and will be returning to the city of Athens. And I thought it'd be fun to talk to him about uh, what it was like to stop one job and then start another and then come back to his original job. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And uh, so we're trying to work that out. That would be great. You know, Andy, uh, I have nothing but high praise for Colonel Stone. Um, yes, you know, it... it it I can only I, I can't even imagine um, uh, to be deployed to the Middle East um, and have to work through uh, and it's it was multi Afghanistan right multinational um, uh, it was several countries in the Middle East that he uh, and the engineering brigade had to you know work with uh, the local authorities and the the locals to you know, build roads or bridges and things that are going on over there. And, um, you know, it, but your family, you know, the separation from your family, um, uh, Andy Stone's wife and two sons and, and their large property, uh, the place in which they live and a lot of, you know, so I'm sure at this point uh, it's a lot of getting caught up on things, um, spending finally great quality time i would imagine with his family and and uh so I, i'm sure that at some point colonel stone will be with you on the show and, and talking about um his experience um and then he'll be coming back to uh the city again uh into his role as the service safety director in uh early august i believe at this point in time which is great and so we'll have a transition period where, you know, he'll be a lot of briefings that go on between Chief Pyle and Andy um, to get caught up on things that have been going on here in the city. It's interesting when you, I reflect back on the time in which uh, Andy, you know, had to prepare for deployment and then deployed. And, of course, that across that year's period of time, you know, all the different things that have changed, um, you know, COVID didn't tap the brakes on projects, uh, on, you know, hiring uh, individuals, people leaving, retiring and whatnot. So uh, there's a lot in a year's period of time to get Andy Stone caught up on as he transitions back to the city again. But we're excited to have him come back uh, and uh, glad that everything went uh, as safely as I, I believe it did for him and his troops. It was great seeing some footage of all of the uh, 16th Engineering Brigade coming back. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, you know, for all of them, I can only imagine what a relief it is to be back stateside. But also, 
Must have been an interesting experience oh, with sure. everything going on, especially to be deployed again in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so, I I've got three more topics um, <coughs> that I hope to fit in be, in our last ten minutes here, um, and I'll just name each of them. Um, OU items, a thing called Dora, Dora, and the census. Now, um, first off, um, you know, President Nellis has announced he's going to step down. And he's going to uh, become a faculty member in the College of uh, Health and Sciences. Um, and I think geography, or is it geology? Geography, I think, is his specialty. Um... How does that affect the university? Well, that um, specifically, maybe not, but other things, yes, right? Right. I mean, they're going to have to identify a, an interim president, uh, as I understand it. Uh, at the end of June is when that transition will take place. Uh, the board of trustees uh, will, and you know, at some point is going to put together a search committee. Uh, and also likely do a national search. Um, I'm assuming it'll be a national search for oh, yes. a new president for the university. Uh, I have been in communication with uh, the mayors of all of the regional campus cities, uh, that, that being Chillicothe, Ironton, Zanesville, Lancaster, and St. Clairsville. Um, and our, Ohio has a branch campus, right? Uh, right. And, and, you know, we also have, there's a campus in Dublin, there's a campus in Cleveland, there's mm. a campus in Beaver Creek. Um, but these were the, the five that I'd mentioned are the, the historically have been the, the, the regional campuses under one Ohio. And uh, so I, I called them all last week and said that uh, I wanted to send around a sign-on letter uh, indicating to the Board of Trustees that us as mayors of the cities that have a presence, an OU presence in them, that we be involved in that search. Um, and so we'll have to wait and see how that uh, how that's received by the Board of Trustees, but we're hopeful. Uh, and uh, what I would like to do, do... Do you know if that's ever happened in the past? I, Not to my knowledge. Okay. Not to my knowledge. Uh, and it was... I had great conversations. Mayor Don uh, Mason up in Zanesville. Uh, Mayor Sam Cramblitz down in in Ironton. Uh, my dear friend, Mayor Luke Feeney in Chillicothe. Um, and what I see moving forward is this core group of six mayors... Um, communicating more frequently um, about, you know, uh, challenges, but successes with our college towns uh, that have an OU presence in them as we move forward. But I, again, more importantly, is to be a part of the search process, um, because I'd like to hear from potential candidates in what their, how they view their role in you know, being the chief executive over all of the campuses. Right. Yeah. So we'll, well see. Well, let's talk about census itself. Census. <laughs> um, you know, I, I uh, how would you call it? I, I want 
I want us to be as strong as we've ever been. And, you know, we've shown 56,000 in the county. We've shown 24,008 in the city. Uh, last I memorized, anyway. Uh, but if we hit the mark 25,001, right. it makes a big difference it in does. the city itself. And, yeah. If we meet, meet the 60,000 mark at the county level, it makes a big difference. Yeah. So For the city, uh, and I think we've talked about this before, Dave, one of the interesting things is that we would have to s- sit down and we would likely do a citywide, several you know, city forums, whatever you want to call it, to t- have – the discussion over creating a fifth ward, uh, because once you exceed twenty five thousand, you have to have five wards mm-hmm. uh, and distribute the populace equally within those five wards, and that also comes with it a uh, new ward representative for that fifth ward and uh, additional at large candidates. So it shifts things quite a bit. But we're still waiting on those numbers. I've not seen them. I have seen the state, uh, some of the state data that has come out so far. Um, I've seen, you know, the national count uh, that has been released, was released a month ago or so. Still waiting on the census data at the municipal and county level. So haven't seen that yet. Now, there's another project, and people might have some concerns about it but um, I, I folks I would like you to keep an open mind and just listen this is called Dora and it's um, let's see that stands for what that stands for uh, it's not Dora the Explorer it's uh, it is the designated outdoor refreshment area okay yeah and so what, <laughs> uh, what, what they're saying is, and it, it can be limited to whatever geographical area, but let's say it's uptown. That um, during only prescribed hours, whatever is set forth in the, the rule, uh, you could walk from one restaurant to another on Court Street or... What's our other one? Union. Yeah. And uh, go from one place to another while also holding a, a beverage. Correct. Correct. And presumably an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> Correct. Now. Yeah, let's describe this a little bit just okay. so everyone understands how a, a, these DORAs work, these designated outdoor refreshment areas. Four minutes. It. Uh, I will be quick. Uh, they are authorized by the Ohio Revised Code. There are about 40 municipalities in the state of Ohio that all have a active DORA. Uh, uh, Oxford uh, has a DORA, so I'm, now I'm just talking comparables to Athens. Kent has one. Oxford has a DORA in their downtown area. And uh, DORAs are interesting. You can set the dates and the times and the days in which a DORA is active uh, the Uptown Business Association um, has come forward and we're requesting the city to take up Adora. Uh, the mayor initiates it, council approves it, and then it goes on to the Department of Commerce. And what we're looking at is uh, in the Uptown area, uh, the Dora, and it would be active 
um, May, the uh, about May 7th, May 8th through August 15th ish. Uh, so it would really just cover the summer months and it would be Thursdays, uh, from, I believe it's five to 10 Fridays from noon to 10 Saturdays, noon to 10 and Sundays from, I think it's noon to eight, somewhere in that time frame. So you can set the days, you can set the times, you can set the boundary for where this Dora is, um, People have a designated cup, so you can't just, you know, walk out of, you know. Oh, it, it's got to be an identifiable cup. It is an identifiable cup. I see. Correct. I see. Yep. It'll be an identifiable <coughs> cup, uh, and you cannot take your beverage outside the des- designated area. Uh, it can only be within. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, as you just described, I can go to one place, get a beverage, um, maybe there's a car show on Court Street or something along those lines, a cruise in, and I can have my beer in hand and check out the cars um, or just sit on one of the city benches uptown and people watch or just watch the world go by and have a cocktail and then whatever and then go on to another place or go home. So well, uh, I can drink to that. <laughs> um, so can I. Uh, and uh, like I said, there's several uh, I've spoken to. Uh, Mayor Luke Feeney, Chillicothe has one, just asking, you know, have, t- describe to me the challenges, any negative impacts, uh, and uh, basically stating that uh, they haven't experienced any with their Dora. Uh, there's an article from Kent, uh, article about Kent's Dora, uh, and it speaks to. Um, only experiencing positive things, having, you know, police and the health department haven't identified or reported uh, any conflicts that occurred within their DORA. So so uh, we'll see um, how this works, and council would have to, again, approve it. So we'll... I think anything that makes Athens friendly and unique is worth pursuing. I agree, Dave. Listen, if there's anything I can do to help um, along the way, please uh, reach out to me. I I love this community. I will do that. And um, we're we're basically out of time. Your family's good? Family's good. Uh, Just one quick shout out. My family's doing great. And the girls are their last two days of school, today and tomorrow. Then they're done. They move on to the fourth grade. They're excited. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Tree City, USA, for 31 years. Athens, going strong with... In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H, This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez, just in from London. A report concludes former BBC reporter Martin Bashir lied to Princess Diana to get her to agree to a blockbuster 1995 interview. Do you think Mrs Parker Bowles was a factor in the breakdown of your marriage? Well, there were three of us in this marriage. So it was a bit crowded. A former senior judge finds Bashir faked bank accounts and made false claims that Diana's phones were bugged. Reaction from the BBC's director general, we cannot turn back the clock after a quarter of a century, but we can make a full and unconditional apology. Daily COVID cases in the U.S. are down to pandemic lows. Travelers are ready to book flights to Europe, but is it too soon? 
The World Health Organization says we are heading in the right direction, but warns it's not time to let our guard down. Vaccines may be a light at the end of the tunnel, but we cannot be blinded by that light. Hans Kluge, the regional director for Europe, says we need to keep a watchful eye. In coming months, increased mobility, physical interactions and gatherings may lead to more transmission in Europe. He suggests avoiding international travel. Lisa Mateo, CBS News. Jobless claims have reached another pandemic low. Bank rate Mark Hamrick. For a third straight week, new jobless claims have declined. Good news, a seasonally adjusted number, 444,000 new claims, down 34,000. Analysts credit continued reopenings across the country. There's no end in sight yet to fighting in the Middle East. Correspondent Imtiaz Tayab is in southern Israel. The Israeli media is reporting that a ceasefire could come as early as Friday. But the Israeli ambassador to the U.S. has told CBS News that they're looking for a, quote, cure and not a band-aid.